and welcome to this week's Tez FE podcast. My name is Kate Parker and I'm joined by Julia Balgatai. Hello. And this week with us we have the Principal of Loughborough College, Joe Mayer. Hi both, how are you doing? Yeah, good thank you. How are you Joe? Yes, good thank you, very good. I would presume it's been quite a busy week for you. Tell us a little bit about what it's been like in your college this week. Yeah, so we um, had a major um, enrolment and induction process that started so predominantly online over the last couple of weeks since the results have been out and then the final stages of that are to come into the college to start the induction and we welcomed our students back to campus from Tuesday um, so it's been really busy, obviously less busy than normal because we've staggered the start across a longer period um, but we've still wanted to really ensure that we've um, welcome the students in the safest possible way. So we are a COVID secure campus. We brought the British Safety Council in to do all of our audits and checks. We've worked with site mark facilities management to ensure that we're benchmarking against set the best practice. And as a result of that, we've adapted our processes to the final stage of when students are in campus, but we didn't want to lose that vibrant, friendly welcome. And that's why a lot of our staff have been trialing over the summer various types of face covering, to ensure that um, you know you can see smiles, working through how you stop that fogging and demisting. We've had all kinds of techniques. So apparently, shaving foam inside your visor and wipe it off stops the fogging. That's a, that's a top thing <laughs> from Kathy on reception. Um, so you know we've wanted to ensure that we've had such a presence outside of our campus that it's not just about providing that level of assurance for parents and students, but you know our community are really important to us, and we wanted our community. To, to see the measures we're taking um, and, and, you know, most importantly, it's just about that student-centred approach. So what are you actually doing? What have you done? Is, are all staff wearing face coverings? Have you put lots of new signs up? What, what is it like on campus? Yeah, so the campus looks completely different, actually. So we have done a huge piece of work over the summer. We started this as soon as lockdown started. Um, we officially brought face coverings in on campus at the start of August. So we announced that before um, the government did, just because what our job internally as a senior leadership team has been to, to, to receive the guidance, but not to see the guidance as a, um, as, a, as a benchmark to hit. We've seen it as a guidance of a benchmark to exceed. So if you like, we've used it as minimum operating standards. So our consistent approach across our um, health and safety and wellbeing committee and working with our corporation has been, how do we extrapolate that guidance into something that if there was a change to the guidance, we'd like to feel in as many cases as possible that we're already that one step ahead because then we're going to make less changes in, in year. So face coverings we brought in um, at the start of August. It took a little bit of time to get people into the real habits of, you know, bringing in their own, trying different ones. I mean, we went through nearly 10,000 reusable face coverings, but because we're conscious of our impact on the environment, we wanted to make sure that we're, you know, providing students with face coverings that are washable. And But, you know, so we've, we've had the opportunity for a month to test these processes. And I think some of the things that came out of that were staff saying, if you're working with a young person who um, has a special educational support need, and as a result of that, they need to be able to lip read, then a face covering can be about to learning so we've tried the clear ones but they fogged up staff with glasses we're getting the mist in so we're trialing different visors some with the glasses in them some with the, the round the top of the head and um, you know as a campus we've got our signage we purchased from site mark so that we had that consistency across the whole campus we worked really closely with the union so we made sure that all the signs are 
top the tailed with the red and yellow ticker tape to that to make sure uh, sorry not red and yellow black and yellow ticker tape to make sure it's really obvious but then we took a really consistent approach we've got the two meter social distancing footprints across the whole of campus because even though the guidance changed to one meter plus again we want to model that best practice so that in the instance that someone wasn't quite following it you know if you're aiming for two meters and you land at one meter plus you're always going to be on the right side of the ruling so we've taped off the whole campus in one-way systems. We've got thermal imaging cameras on reception, so we're doing temperature checks for all visitors. We've got electronic iPad sign-in, so we've got a record for test and trace as to who's in and out of the campus if they're not on our college badge system. The badge system is obviously electronically recorded um, through our entrance gates. So we've completely reshaped one way through reception, separate exits um, outside of campus, um, obviously we've got personal protective equipment in place for those areas that need it. So screens in staff rooms, offices, reception team, enhanced PPE for first aiders, response team. We've employed more cleaners. Um, you know, we recognize that the evidence on fogging and misting isn't always consistent, but we want people to feel safe. So we are fogging and misting, we are sanitizing, we are deep cleaning because, you know, we want to make sure that the staff recognize that the safety of them and their, our students is, is the right thing to do. But it's been a huge investment, both in terms of our um, consumable items around the, the coverings and the the kits the temperature guns we've got mobile temperature guns because you know we're making sure that if you have not got symptoms then you know if you've got symptoms you're not on campus we've recorded student safety videos accommodation tours we've changed our induction and enrollment so it's online enrollment and then induction is socially distanced whilst we get these 16 to 18 year olds into their bubbles but obviously there are areas of campus that you can't bubble so you've got to use social distancing for our adult learners higher education and, and I think the complexity of being in general further education is you know we're, we're very different to the school sector it's the age profile of both of our staff both of our learners and um, so we have had to have lots of clarity in terms of the different rules for the different age cohorts and it's just involved a huge amount of training um, getting the staff back in early over summer doing the videos um, making sure the safety briefings are led by an exec member um, with key responsibility for health and safety so that we know if the staff feel comfortable then then our students are going to get the best possible service. How clear have you been sort of throughout the summer and now over the last few days what the sort of benchmark is what it is that you need to meet in terms of you know do we need two meters do we need face coverings how clear has that been in, in your mind throughout because obviously the guidance has changed quite a lot. Yeah, so there's been so there's been a lot of changes, and as I said, you know, we took the strategic decision at the start of summer to to try and aim to be the very best we could be. So we went through British Safety Council audit. We didn't have to do that; it was optional, but we chose to do that because we wanted to learn our lessons and improvements early, so that we had time to address that whilst the campus was still in that, um, you know open for vulnerable learners in the nursery. Um, so we've had to deal with the guidance differently for early years and careers for, for, for further education adults, as well as our higher education centre. You know, we've got a large TEF gold rated higher education provision that we want to be best in class in, in everything it can be. Um, so to so the guidance, there was multiple changes and iterations, but once you started getting really into the detail, underneath it was how are we interpreting the principles of that guidance then, because we were constantly trying to get one step ahead, we've genuinely found whilst any late iterations for anything are not helpful, you know, everyone has worked straight through summer and, you know, 
of course, in the perfect world, you'd want everything early and for not change, but we do recognise we're dealing with a pandemic, you know, you know, the government don't have a playbook for this because it changes and it evolves and the science changes. So we've just always, I think that, that kind of approach of always aiming to be to the right hand side of the um, rule book in terms of the strict ends, they always making sure that we're a step ahead, um, you know, and, and that's a challenge as well because you don't want complacency. You know, you can never be perfect. Like there is no, there's no one in the world right now that can say, they are in a biosecure bubble, you know, even, even in the elite athlete world, you know, like American football, they can spend millions and they will still get some confirmed cases. So, so it's staying vigilant. It's um, making the interpretations with safety at the forefront of everything, because if you tried to follow everything to letter, it's, it's impossible with 10,000 students to be 100% open 100% of the time and do social distancing unless someone builds me three buildings tomorrow. So, so there is that balance of saying, you know, what can we follow to the best of our ability with the best of intention and integrity? And then there's a reason if you can't follow something, if that reason is because it's to keep people safe, you go with what it takes to keep people safe. And with the PPE... I'm not sorry, Kate, go ahead. I was going to ask, you know, um, with the PPE aspects of stuff, you know, it sounds like you've, you've brought in a, a lot of PPE for your, for your staff, you know, the master visors, the screens and everything. Can I presume that you'll have had to pay for that yourself as a college? Um, I know the government were talking about offering like 10 home testing kits and a small amount of PPE for colleges. Um, but in your experience, you know, w was what they were offering enough or have you had to, you know, source a lot of it yourself? Yeah, so um, we have sourced absolutely everything. We have asked our paid employed staff that if they are able to provide their own face coverings because we know that people have got different tastes and, you know, comfort levels. And um, if people are wearing reusable face coverings in a shop or in a pub, then I think it's reasonable. Um, and that's something we've worked with the unions on and, and, and we're in agreement on. For students, we've provided that and we've, we've paid for that. For staff, if there was an exceptional circumstance, of course we would pay for that, but everything else we've paid for, we, we've had to. Um, you know, yes, we'd have liked funding for that. And yes, I know the Association of Colleges continue to lobby government on some of the funding that schools have had, colleges haven't had. We've had to max out our bursaries to provide young people with laptops, particularly in areas of hardship and deprivation to access their learning. Um, but yeah, regarding the PPE and safety stuff, you know, it's, I spent £140,000 over summer implementing this process. And that's notwithstanding the revenue costs of my additional cleaners that will be, that are in now. So it is, it isn't a small sum. You're talking over the course of an academic year, probably around £250,000. Um, that, you know, but for me, it's the right thing to do. I, I've got to be in a position where I can look myself in the mirror as the CEO and lead on health and safety, that if the worst case scenario happened, can I say I can sleep at night? So I did every single thing I could do and, that, and that, that's how I've got to do it. And, you know, we want to be in a position where, you know, would a staff member bring their own child to my organisation? And if they would, we've got it right. And if they wouldn't, you know, we need to change. What has the response been from staff in particular? Do you think they feel safe this week as the students are coming back? Yeah, so obviously I've been out and about on the campus, lot, you know, lots. Um, I would say the large majority of my staff are, you know, genuinely impressed with the work we've done because, you know, and our staff, they're going into shops, they're going into pubs, they're seeing it differently. They're going into town centres. So, you know, I think the staff 
genuinely um, feel that we've put a huge amount of investment in, they can see the difference, they can feel the difference. Of course, there are some staff um, that are feeling anxious about being in a work environment, but you know, the, the feedback we're getting is that would be any work environment. You know, it's just that whole being out of the house, you know, you know, is worrying to some people and we recognize that. So we've invested heavily in our um, well-being and CPD. Obviously, the staff have got access to our counseling support team. We've extended our support packages. So for our learners in accommodation now, we've even purchased a package which is similar to, you know, an employee assistance program where your staff would get access to this number of telephone counseling sessions to this kind of discount on physiotherapy. We've actually purchased a student assistant package for all of our students in our halls of residence to ensure that they've got 24-7 coverage um, should they need additional care or well-being support because, you know, we just think that, it, you know, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good investment. That doesn't mean there won't be access in our team. It's an extra layer of that because if three in the morning they were worried about something that developed symptoms, yes, there's the 111, yes, there's a system, but actually they might just be genuinely worried about something. So, um, so yes, we've invested as well in our accommodation learners for that. Um, and, you know, and we're, we're listening, working closely with our union reps and staff forum and where we are getting feedback and we think we can improve stuff, we're, we're trying to do so. And in terms of, um, you know, the return to learning, are you guys modelling, you know, a blended learning approach or is everybody going to be back full time or, you know, what will be the situation? Yeah, so we've structured our timetables. So we've bubbled our um, 16 to 19 areas. Obviously, we've socially distanced our higher education areas as well as, as pockets of our apprenticeships. So our principle is that, Every single week, every single student gets face-to-face -face contact. So all of our seminars, our practical work sessions, shop sessions, our English and maths. So our lead lectures are online and they will remain online because that's created the capacity with social distancing to use every single classroom available to ensure that every single student gets face-to-face -face contact. However, in line with the new tier system that mirrors the local lockdown, which mirrors the local outbreak, we've built the curriculum and the timetable so that at any given point, we could isolate an entire bubble. You know, and, and every single college across the country, this week or next week, will have a young person who has some form of a symptom, you know, whether that's a sore throat, because it's genuinely the common cold, whether it's COVID, there's been clarification again today, you know, they don't come to campus and we then that's why we've got to build a hybrid so that through blended learning they're not missing out on learning you know because if in a normal world you know fe sector attendance just take as an example if across the whole sector average attendance would be you know in the early 90s you know in a covid year then if that even becomes early 80s you can't have 20 percent of learners not accessing learning so but what you've also got to balance is if you you know you can't replace face-to-face -face contact. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a bricklayer, then fundamentally you need to safely be in a workshop building a brick wall. You cannot do that through the computer, no matter how great your digital tech team are. So what we don't want to do is get to a place where, you know, so much of that curriculum is online that for the theory lectures and the seminars, a young person thinks, well, I'll stay in bed because I'll log in later because they are going to lose out on the other broader holistic skills. And, and I think we've got to be really pragmatic about this. And so for us... We're working really hard to record as many of the, of the staff sessions as we can so that students can access them after the fact. But you've got to factor in safeguarding. You've got to factor in the additional workload for the staff. So, um, you know, Microsoft Teams has been fantastic. 
for us in terms of the additions they've made to enable more faces on the screen, to have the hand-up function and all those various things. Um, but we are working hard to record as many of the other sessions because we recognise that we want to take no risks. If someone has got symptoms, the advice is they do not come to campus. They isolate for that period. Um, but because of the two-week window, that's a long period of time to be not in a not in a college. So we've got to make sure that those provisions are in place and be on standby so that if we have to flip the whole college to distance learning at some point, if wave two happens, we're ready to do that. A couple of weeks ago, I got some data back from the Department of Education about how much um, extra bursary funding they had given to colleges. Um, and 16 colleges applied for extra bursary funding of about 800,000 and less than half of that was actually awarded to those colleges. You said earlier that you um, adduced a lot of your bursary funding to buy laptops and things like that for students. But are you worried at all about students missing out? Um, you, know, if, if, you know, in this blended learning approach, if they need to access learning from home and say they're sharing one laptop in a family of five or, you know, all circumstances can be different. Are you worried about that at all? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we had all kinds of scenarios in lockdown and actually it's not just students, it's staff. You know, we had staff members that, you know, were trying to work from home but because their partner's working at home and because their children are being homeschooled, not everyone has, you know, has the, the privilege or luxury of lots of home offices. So people working in bedrooms and we had to manage our, our um, occupational health and well-being. I had a staff member trying to work off an ironing board. As soon as we found out, we had a desk delivered in a safe way to the house. And, you know, we did do all of our staff members were provided with laptops because historically lots of staff preferred working off desktop computers. So we had to resource staff at home with laptops. We brought a physiotherapist in to run online um, posture sessions to make sure they were having the desk raises where appropriate, the right chairs. We created a space where staff could get their socially distanced proper office chair and, you know, we risk assessed. We did all of that. But it's no different for learners. You know, sitting on a bed on a laptop on your knee is not good for you in terms of your, you know, it's not good for your health and your physical fitness so it, yes that we think there's a shortage nationally on laptops in the sector we really do um, we're trying really hard to make all of our content as mobile accessible as it can be we're, we're working hard on the accessibility guidelines that, that are out there um, you know and it isn't just as simple for me as as, as giving everyone a laptop um, because some of the challenges is the wi-fi connection um, and the access to that because you know three or four people are working at home then, you know, Microsoft Teams, the camera function go off. You know, we get it on conference calls all the time with the technical issues. So, yes, I think we need more laptops in the sector. Yes, I think they should be paid for and we need to extend the bursary funds. But I also think we've got to think really carefully about our Wi-Fi connectivity um, and about the, you know, the long-term um, challenges of, of home working for um, young people if their bedroom is the only workspace then, then, then that's a challenge. Mm. And obviously that there's been so many challenges um, over the past six months, you know, COVID and then all the A-levels and GCSE drama that happened a few weeks ago. You know, how positive and how optimistic are you feeling about the new academic year? Uh, listen, my job is to be positive and optimistic. You know, I wouldn't be in the sector if I could be anything less than that. Um, you know, we have huge empathy for all of our um, learners that, you know, were affected by what happened with the grades. You know, I know that as an institution, we tried our very best to do the best we could do to give the most accurate grades we could issue um, with the greatest of integrity. Um, we sense checked that data. We you know, moderated it as header center that went through sign off. 
But of course, it was incredibly challenging for, for young people to go through that volume of changes. Um, you know, my job is to um, be ambitious for my staff, to be ambitious for my students. And whatever faces us, whatever challenge faces us, then I have to absolutely retain that position because, because, because that's my job. It's something that I care deeply and passionately about doing to the best of my ability. So I want students to um, come back more resilient and I want to work with them to build resiliency because, you know, I don't expect students to have it. I expect that to be something that we learn and we develop over time. Um, and as a result of that, we will put the wellbeing support, we'll put the wraparound support in place. We'll work with them on their um, holistic skills, knowledge and behaviours to develop. Um, but we need to see this as an opportunity to learn as a sector. Um, you know, there's a lot to be learned um, and, and with our policymaking colleagues. Um, but for me, um, nothing changes. We go into every academic year to give our very best to support our students and, and it'll be no different this year. Well, look, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. And, you know, it's so lovely to speak to a principal who's actually back in college and hear about, you know, how you're opening and everything. So good luck with the rest of the term. Hopefully things will be just as smooth for you. Super. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope you're both doing really well. Thank you. Thanks for listening as always, everybody, and have a brilliant weekend.